Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 97. And today we are in Toledo, Ohio. No, <laughs> we are in Westerville, Ohio. Same thing. Not even close. <laughs> and we're sitting down with Ryan Hegner of Ibach. Ryan, thank you, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. My thank pleasure. you for everything, bro. No, no. I, I mean, it's fun having you travel to all the meets with us and getting to know you the last 10, 11 years. Right. I guess. Yeah. It has been. My so. first Ibach was 2000, 2008 was the first time I went. 2009 mm-hmm. was the first time that I had a spot. And I always talk about this, that it was um, in the loading dock. So you go to the loading oh, dock yeah, area. Yeah. And right where the loading docks start, I was the first car in the corner, oh, dude. So gotcha. I was like the furthest spot. Yeah. And then there was one dude who got that spot. He got he didn't register, and so he got to the plant at like four in the morning, parked right in front. And you know, right at the beginning, he's trying to go in, and we're like, dude, you, you should have just registered. Like I got to let all these other cars in, and then we're gonna let you other people in. He's like, oh, okay, no problem. He just kept coming up and bugging us and bugging us and bugging us and then randomly he got literally the worst spot in the show yeah and that was my spot (laughs) it was kind of funny well ironically so at the porsche event at luft you know after building maybe arguably one of the best porsches last year right pretty good oh yeah definitely pretty good i got yeah it was a solid six on the right six out of ten i like it so we go to the biggest porsche show in the united states and it's at Universal Universal City yeah. at the back lot, like on the studio. And, you know, it's like I do events and I'm looking, I'm watching the cars roll in and I'm, I'm kind of counting and I'm like, holy fuck, I'm going to get the worst spot in the show. Oh. And so I, it comes up, comes up, comes up. And then I pull in and I sure enough, I got the worst fucking spot in the show. When was this? Uh, July. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and I didn't say shit. You know, I didn't go complain. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't go up and say, oh, hey, can I go park with my friends? I didn't do any of the things that I complain about <laughs> that other people do. So I, I just took it, it just and just took said, it. hey, it is what it is. Yeah, dude. That was uh, just to be part of the event back in the day. That was like so special, dude. Oh, yeah, it was cool. You know, I mean, there's not I mean, you're to the point now where there's not a lot of people that say they can. They were at the first one or the second one or the third one. You know, it's it's not really a big group of people you know when you factor in the first two or three weren't very big you know 50 100 cars yeah and then out of that group of people like how many have moved on and maybe don't even dick around with cars anymore maybe not hondas maybe they don't dick around with cars at all anymore they all moved to porsches <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so so let, let's dive into it a little bit what's the uh history of the eibach meet and what's your position um so i started this when i when i started ibach um so previously um i worked for the honda club it was basically it was like uh, a giant honda enthusiast group and it was kind of like triple a for hondas where you could you'd be a member for 35 bucks a year and you get discounts at dealers across the country and we had a magazine that we published and was distributed to all the dealers it was also on newsstands and so i would throw events um for the club and i we did them at norm reeves honda Mm -hmm. um we did them at uh shine street which was a shop in torrance at the time yeah and like we had some of the earlier meets we had oscar jackson come out and lead like a tech seminar we had uh doug at honda come out and lead a tech seminar kind of when he was first getting going you know out there and then so when i came to ibach it was kind of like well wow this would 
this would be a cool place to do kind of like an event or a small meet or something like that so we invited all of our honda buddies you know out to the parking lot and i can't remember how many started or how many were there but you know it wasn't really we didn't call it the ibok meet i think it was just like let's meet at ibok and that was it and in the next year it doubled in size and the next year it doubled in size and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger so what year did you start in ibok um i started at ibok in uh i think 2004 2003 2004 somewhere in there i've been there over almost 16 years and what's your position there um so i do business development so um, basically i launch all of our new programs um help with the direction of what we're going to do in terms of like r&d and the product the look of the product the feel of the product the marketing the getting the vehicles in for the r&d um and then launching the product finding distribution helping with uh finding influencers and whatnot and then we'll we'll launch the product group and you know over six or seven months and then i'll move on to the next product group so we'll go from utv to truck shocks to rv or something like that so i kind of have an idea what i'm doing gotcha the next you know year year and a half so what's the biggest um type of car that you guys deal with um honestly so the number one seller generally is like the the mustang the 79 to 04 mustang really that's one part number you know goes from 79 to 04 wow and there's i mean they they built millions of them and they're everywhere you can find the old fox body mustangs for five six seven grand now so everybody modifies them yeah, yeah so it's hard to it's hard you think it's like oh it's gonna is it civic is it this is it the new that but when you have one partner that runs for like 20 years it's it's hard to beat that yeah definitely you really don't see that many civics using ibox stuff do you well the newer ones oh so, gotcha, yeah gotcha, so anything gotcha. new so we still like we crush it on the type r we crush it from everything from like 06 up where the the older cars have trickled down to like the fifth sixth seventh eighth owners and they're on some sort of a a $299 coilover yeah. or something. But you still see a lot of our sway bars on there. You'll see they maybe have a decent coilover and they're running one of our racing springs on it. Gotcha. But yeah, not, not as much as we would like, but yeah. it's just the market. You know, well, there's, definitely no, there's nothing wrong with that. For Eibach having such a big name in the Honda community, mm -hmm. but um, that's probably has to do with you a lot, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think we still do very well in the, in the Honda space just because you know we we are we're kind of synonymous you know with hondas at least the meat is so uh, it certainly helps so the first event was 2005 somewhere around there 2004 2005 yeah it's funny because it was it's hard to even remember what it was because it we didn't think it was going to be a yeah. thing like looking back i wish we had like a shirt yeah from the first yeah, one yeah. or we had anything like we literally have nothing i like i struggle to even remember what year it was i struggle to remember where we put the cars or who was there you know, it was basically, it was all of our buddies, but yeah, I don't, it, 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 looking back, it would have been cool to have something from every single one, but we didn't even realize we had anything until like the fourth or the fifth year. Really? Yeah. It was just like, oh yeah, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. And then by the fourth or the fifth year is when we started like having to charge people for parking. And then we came up with the VIP and the regular, I think we we're actually the ones who came up with that back in the day because it was, we were trying to, to figure out. We, we only had room for four or 500 cars in there. We we're mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to accommodate everybody. And we said, well, I mean, if it was like, I think 15 for VIP and 10 for, for the regulars, you know, and we figured, well, the people with the better cars are probably going to would pay 15. And then we would turn that on and it would sell out like overnight. Yeah. Like it would be just crazy. And then we'd fill up the other areas like in like a week. So when you first started it out, who was part of it? 
Uh, so it was like all the normal dudes. It was like, you know, Rod Rez and Big Mike and, you know, Jeremy Gilman and, you know, all of our, all of our, like, just kind of like that small core group of like the, like Orange County, kind of San Diego, you know, type guys. Uh, Tony Jackson, those guys were probably one of the first ones. So how did you end up being like the one who made the brand grow? I just just from I, you working I, just there? from me doing it yeah i mean it was just like it was my deal like it wasn't when i came to ibok it wasn't my job description to throw meats yeah you know i just said hey let's do let, let's just we we're already we've done some meats we've got you know people who come to our meat let's do one here and so we did one and then we did another and then we started doing the nwp meats there yeah. you know the saturday night things and I think I just like to do it, yeah. you know, for whatever reason. I mean, I never plan on doing events, but I think I just enjoy it. Yeah, it's definitely grown into something a lot bigger than it was oh, it's back crazy. then. Yeah. But even back then, it still seemed really big because oh, it, it kind of just shut down the whole city. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, it was, it got to the point where we filled every parking lot in like a two square block radius. And we'd get, you'd get four or 5,000 people there. Like it was... There's no other open house or whatever you want to call it like it. We would do facility tours and we would go, I would go buy a hundred or 150 Little Caesars pizzas <laughs> and we'd feed me. Yeah, it was kind of, it was crazy. And it's funny is, you know, a lot of people will say like, oh man, is it easy? They're so much bigger now. Is it, you guys are at these stadiums or this or that. Is it hard? And it's like, no, it's, it's way easier because doing it actually at Ibach was a nightmare. Really? Because yeah, there would be cars backed up all the way down the street, down all the way to the freeway. The cops would be come up, they would be pissed, you know, and it it was like pandemonium. Yeah. And everybody liked it because it was pandemonium. And it was always some random car that got towed because yeah. the guy would drive up with no hood on and no registration like Yeah, that was that uh that graffiti car. Yeah, right? yeah I remember like a that. It turbo did D- it was like a TC or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had the um the graffiti in Jim Bay yeah. and uh, no hood. Yeah, gold every, stuff. Yeah, and everybody was like surrounding the car, you know, taking video of the big <laughs> away. And it was just like as crazy as that was, that everybody they liked it. But I remember like one of the last times we were there. I mean, I literally stood all the way down at the end of our street, and I directed traffic for like four hours. Like I'm like, it, I didn't even get to really see the event. Like it was crazy. So. When we finally moved out, it was like it actually made it easier. So 2011, if I'm not mistaken, was the last time. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last time we did it at Ibach. And that was the city got way involved. Like they made me go to every business that we were going to, that cars would potentially park in the parking lot and get them to sign off on it. Like hmm. they just, they made it a huge hassle. And then they got there early and they tried to get involved in like the traffic control. And it was just a nightmare. Like I just, you know, you just kind of have to push through that. 9 30 to like 11 a.m rush and they just they tried to shut down streets and they just made a mess of it and then the next year they didn't want to give us a permit to do the event anymore i said all right that's fine we'll go somewhere else and we took you know all that money out of the city of corona because all these kids they would get there early they would go to the denny's the taco bells and they would eat they would wash their cars you know so we actually we were the biggest event of any sort in corona in the city wow yeah and then just you know just pushed us out you know but they didn't look at what it did for all the local businesses one of the parking one of the businesses down the street from us um they would charge for parking like 10 bucks uh-huh. and they would make i don't know they would make like four grand and they would use the money <sighs> to go on like a mission to you know mexico and build houses like so the no yeah it was it was really it was good like i said all the businesses did well like the taco bell down the street i talked to the manager it was their biggest day of the year 
every year was the Iwak meet. So you'd imagine the Carl's Jr. was probably the same Definitely. way. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. The little the coin-operated car yeah. washes. Yeah, so it was great for the city. And basically the, the traffic cops just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, it did but get it worked pretty out, crazy. But yeah, and it was, it was nice because it forced us to leave. Yeah. You know, which ultimately, you know, kind of worked out in our favor. Led us know? to here. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it led us to led us to figure out that we could do it outside of Ibach and it's a thing and people would show up and then, you know, then we started traveling. So when did you guys start having vendors? Um, probably four or five years into it. Gotcha. I think it was just like, Hey, can I have a booth? You know, like a buddy. Yeah. I don't care. You want a booth? And then somebody <laughs> else, Hey, can I have a booth too? Yeah. Yeah. Just come on out. You know? Yeah. I want to say like Greg Park was probably like one of the original vendors, you know, from, uh, I love racing. Okay. Yeah, so he he was one of the original guys. Um, I'm trying to think. It was it was basically all of our friends who mm -hmm. had some sort of a business in the industry were the first ones to do booths. Yeah, I remember our first booth ever was at Ibach 2010. Mm -hmm. Back then we had uh, the blue uh, Easy Up and yeah, you were like in that corner. Like as you come in and you make a left, you yeah, were like yeah, right yeah. there, right? No, no, no. This was when you oh, come into the right. Oh, gotcha. When you go to the, the right, we, was, gotcha. we were maybe like halfway Gotcha. And then down. you had a booth when we had the booths inside that one year too, right? Yeah, that yeah. was 2011. That was when it rained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then again, I stood out in the rain for three hours and directed traffic. Hey, for it raining, that shit was still <laughs> popping. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was like that light drizzle for like two hours, and then it got humid and dried up, and it actually ended up being a nice day. It was a, it was a good one, man. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I remember we had no tablecloth on the table, <laughs> just like little random bolts. And yeah, it was weird, man. It was just a, a growing experience because I never even thought that it would turn into having a booth. Yeah, you know. Now looking back at where we both are, it's kind of crazy that that like so much just came out of that. Yeah, and we were just talking earlier about uh like forums and things mm -hmm. like that and it's just so crazy how much just came out of like nwp oh yeah days yeah so what was your involvement if any with nwp so i mean we were like the original guys who went there to get pizza so like andy freeman he's the one who started the actual website and he worked there but it he was like one of the young guys kind of like barely getting into the scene and we were all parking out there and like walking and saying hi to him and like getting pizza and then we had like one of the the old hybrid board meets like oh, i'll just do it at nwp and so we ate, met at the one in tustin and then we started getting together uh, every once in a while at the one in irvine and that's kind of then him and freeman and eric dickerson they said oh we'll build a forum you know and they they did no shit yeah dude. yeah but we were the original i the, so the, here's the funny story about it northwood pizza is so the one that's in Irvine, I mean, I was going there when I was like in first or second grade. Wow. Yeah. So I lived on base in El Toro, you okay. know, which is when you go down Irvine Boulevard, you run right into the base. So my parents would take me there and it had that same layout that, that it used to when they were still in that the original building it with the arcade in the corner. And my parents and I, we would go there and we would eat pizza. And then we would go next door. There was like an ice cream place or something. Get ice cream and then go home. So I was going there and like, fuck, this would have been like 81, 82. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, because like literally, I mean, I was I was less than 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah, and we were going there to eat. You know? So there's a lot of debate online what NWP stands for. So can you just clear it up? For... Yeah, it's no white people. <laughs> 
Everybody here that. first. <laughs> no, it's just Northwood Pizza. Northwood Pizza. Yeah, that's just where we would we got together to eat there. And I don't. I think we just started calling NWP, and then I think I don't know if it was Freeman or Dickerson who said NWP for life, and then that's just what it became. Crazy how shit sticks like that. Yeah, huh? yeah, and that was a great forum. Like, I mean, that was always kind of like the cool kids forum, you know, where when everybody did like a build or a build thread, and it was always like a car that was just fire. Yeah. Damn, dude. They're, yeah. they're and they had the of... good software too. Like they used that old Honda Tech software, the Zero Forum yes, stuff, yes, where yes. like the instant messaging thing, like worked like a bot was like a box that popped up, and it was just the search functions and everything were just like flawless. So from it being like a small group of piece people just putting together like a meet and a little forum, when did you realize that this was something worldwide? The iBuck meet. So I bought me NWP, uh, your guys' influence on the community. Man, I don't know. I think I think when when people would start to like debut cars there. Yeah. That was maybe it. Like what like I'm getting it ready for the meet. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna debut it there. I think that's when it became like a global deal. And you know, people would go, Oh yeah, I saw your car it was debuted, you know, at the IBOC meet. And that was probably I mean that's yeah, I mean that's probably it. It's crazy to look back at it now, dude. It's come so far, like I say, to where we are today. Yeah. So leaving Eibach facility 2011, what kind of feeling did you have coming into 2012 as far as, you know, taking that next step to go and grow the event? We didn't know. I mean, we had no idea what was going to happen. Like we were completely unprepared and, you know, we had to rent a facility for the first time. You know, and it was it was expensive because we had to. You know, it was hard to find something. We didn't know how much room we really needed. You yeah. Know? So we went to Irwindale, and um, we didn't know if people would pay to get in. Like, you know, it, it was always free up until that point. Like, unless you put a car in the show to walk just up walk to it, yeah, yeah, it was free. You know, so we were like, well, what what should we charge? You know, well, we had to pay for the venue. You know, so we're like, oh, we'll do. The venue suggested I think ten dollars for parking. Okay. And I think we did five. And then we were trying to figure out how much to charge to get in. We're like, let's just, we'll just do five. You know? so, so, so when you say we, this is you <laughs> and, and I, just you and yeah, Matt and at Rodgers. this time. Yeah, okay. we, we were just, we didn't know, like it just, we couldn't wrap our head around people paying to get in. Five, $5. Like it's just <laughs> like, it's almost a joke, you know? Yeah, five, yeah, Even yeah. then, like 10 years ago, $5, it's still a joke. Hell you know? yeah. And, and then, so I remember I got there early that morning. And I'm always the first one there, but like an hour, I just, I like to do it and just kind of hang out and, you know, kind of get myself going. And I'm, you know, I'm setting up like this rinky, like bicycle fence, like across the thing is like a barrier, you know? And then all of a sudden, like the car started showing up and then the general public started showing up and we didn't even have all the fences in it. So we were trying to like push people towards this one area, you know, and we probably lost like thousands of dollars because we were so completely unprepared. Yeah. The guys who worked the venue, uh, this guy Doug Stokes and this other guy, I think his name was Bob. Mm-hmm. They were helping us take money for the cars. And basically, I mean, there were cars lined up to get in and back down onto the 605. And then they shut us down at one o'clock. Wow. Yeah, it was. It was. And at that point, I mean, it was full and there were still tons of people started to come in and we're like. Some girl like had a heat stroke, fell and hit her head. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, it was just, yeah. I don't want to say it was a disaster, but it was. I mean, the meat went off. We did it all the yeah. things we're supposed to do, but with the girl falling and hit her in her head, the paramedics coming, 
and then getting shut down by like one o'clock by the police. Like, oh man, like, this is we're done, we're done. And then you know, like on the next day, or even that night, like you don't. I can't remember if if it was even Facebook at that point in time, or if it was the forum, but you're almost kind of scared to like click on the forum or yeah. Facebook because you're like, oh man, are we get are we getting roasted right now? And everybody was like, dude, it was so dope. It was good. It was dope, oh, man. Da, da, da. We're, we're getting there early next year. So it almost, by not getting in, it created demand Definitely. for the next year. Yeah. You know, and I thought we were going to get hammered. You know, And there were there were obviously people that, you know, that they were upset they didn't get in. But they got there at like 2 o'clock, you know. And it's yeah. like, it's over at 3. So, but yeah, it was wild. And then at that point, we knew we had something. But we knew that wasn't the venue. Yeah. Because, you know, we sold it out when we weren't even really trying. So going there in the morning, did you still think that, damn, this could be a flop? Maybe nobody's yeah, going mean, to show the, up? The good thing is, is with what we do, we do that, that pre-registration. Yeah, deal. yeah, yeah. I mean, at bare minimum, I knew we had 500 cars coming. Gotcha. So you do, I mean, 500 cars in any event is a good event. Yeah. You know, I just didn't know if the general public would show up. And that's always what I gauge the event on is is whether the general, general public shows up or not. Like, you know, if you can get 500 cars in a parking lot, that's always great. That's maybe thousand people you know but if you can get another two thousand to show up then the vendors are stoked because they got to see it then that's a it's a really good event and so that's all i was really worried about but when we had you know all the people show up and the vendors were happy and i mean it was it was a really good event yeah so when did it all soak into you that this was like something huge from it being shut down before the event was even over shutting down that whole part of the city did you just think like Man, we got something here. I, it, it, we knew we had something, but we weren't sure like what to do with it. You know, like we weren't sure if do we do we find another venue? Like what? Yeah. What do we even do at this point? You know, do we go to a place that's even bigger, or just kind of stay small? Like we we knew we had something, we weren't sure what we wanted to do. But the good thing is, is the next one was. 365 days away so yeah we have, we have plenty of time to, to time figure to it out take a breath yeah dude. exactly exactly but you know like i said when we got back you know the following couple days and over the week like everybody was pretty overwhelmed with like how big it was and they were excited for the next year and they were they were you know determined to get there early and, and get in so yeah it, it was pretty cool yeah from a vendor point of view i didn't even know that the event got shut down mm -mm. there was just a lot of people and it was just busy yeah it was packed man it was packed i mean the good thing is is you, like you said you figure you get two or three people in a car if you got 500 cars you know you got a bunch of people there and then we sold out the spectator parking lot mm -hmm. you know which i don't think any nobody does there you know i think the only show that they ever have there bigger than ours is that big hot rod show moon eyes gotcha yeah but other than that like nobody nobody sells that place out you know and we did it without trying yeah so then after that, you figured that that place didn't work anymore? Yeah, it just didn't, you know, as we, we kind of figured out, that was like the big learning year when we really were like, okay, we need to take this seriously. And yeah. you can't wing anything. Like you gotta, you gotta have a plan. You gotta have staff. You gotta have a big staff. You know, that's kind of when everything changed. And then just looking at the numbers and then looking at like aerial views of the space. And we're like, if we, if we keep growing at the rate in which we generally grow, we won't we won't make it here it's mm -hmm. just not going to work so there's no sense in putting in any any more effort and trying to put like you know 10 pounds of shit into a five pound bag yeah so at any point did you ever feel like that it was just too much and maybe this was going to be the last year for the event no no like uh, you know what i thought maybe it was the last year in the middle of that event 
Really? You know, like I said, like the girl hit her head, like, oh, fuck, I'm going to get sued, you know? And wh- why am I even doing this? This isn't in my job description, you know? It, it's, I had a lot of doubts. And then, like I said, when I got home that night and I started reading everything about it, and I'm like, we got to keep this going. This <laughs> we got to figure it out. Like, we got to get a, a bigger spot and we got to keep this thing rolling. So then the year after, you move it to uh, Lake Elsinore. Yeah, we went to Lake Elsinore. That, we went to Storm Stadium. Um, and the, the venue actually worked out really, really well for us. So we were there for, I think, uh, three years. I think we did it three years there. And I think the last year was 2016. Like I think we were there for three years. And the venue worked really well for us. And there was room to grow. The layout was cool. The way we had the cars kind of come down that street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. worked. And then they got a new events guy there the last year. And he was awful. Like he was just awful to deal with. And then... You know how we had that on the other side of the stadium, there was that big dirt parking lot. Uh-huh. Well, also that year, like two days before the event, that rained or it rained. Oh. And so that w- if it would have kept raining, that would have been like a mud pit and we would have had no parking. Mm-hmm. And then also they they hosted another event on um, the night before ours. It was some sort of like a, a glow water slide deal oh wow because yeah we had two parking sites we had the cheap one which was like 10 bucks they made the vip one which was um like 15 bucks where you park on pavement Mm -hmm. and so they didn't make those guys clean up their shit after the event so when we got there in the morning we didn't have like our vip parking lot you know so 15 bucks times you know however many cars and they're like oh we'll get it cleaned up we'll get it cleaned up we got coming guys and i'm like well you got to get it fucking cleaned up i'm going to go run my event but you got to get this shit cleaned up call me when it's done and by the time they actually got everything out of there it was like 11 11 30. you know not by this time like this was like either our third or our fourth year there so we knew what the numbers were and so when parking came up way short it was like mm. you know hey like you you fucked us on this like you fucked us by a lot. This was absolutely your fault. Yeah. You know, you apologized in the morning. I was cool about it because there's nothing we could do at that point. Like, just get it cleaned up and move on. And then when it came time to, like, compensate for us, they wouldn't do anything. And I said, all right, we'll leave. And that's we, it. And we left. Ruined the relationship. Left. Yeah, we left. And I probably God. I probably took four or five events with me of theirs. Yeah. Because, I mean, like I said, the guy was just a jack off. Yeah. Damn, man. So then after that, then it moved to... Yeah, we went to Fontana. We went to Auto Club Speedway. And that's and, where it's at now. Yeah, and we should have went there. We should have went there two or three prior. So my buddy, Andy Kimball, so he does, him and his family do all the Volkswagen events. He was telling me about Auto Club Speedway years ago. And he's actually the one who recommended Irwindale, too. Um, and I, I just never got around to talking to the guy. I think what it was is, is we went out there, and I did a tour and we were interested in maybe taking the oval mm-hmm. and they quoted it and the guy they had at the time that gave me some ridiculous quote like he thought it was like ibach renting it so he tried to tax us oh and gotcha. it's like it's not ibach like not that we we would even pay that much but it, this is me yeah you know i'm not gonna i can't pay that much and i don't want to take it for two days because mm-hmm. it was that's kind of what you have to do with the oval and so we we never went back and then finally when i was like well we got to move out of here i called up auto club speedway again and i dealt with the guy that i deal with now this guy uh, mike gaspar who kind of runs all the events there he's a great guy but there's so many different like pocket areas in that venue that you can use that it's actually very affordable like it's for what it is it's it's stupid affordable really so if any of you guys out there do events call mike and i mean that's the spot yeah i mean it's it's a destination i mean it's where they hold nascar races they got a drag track they've got everything so 
we're perfectly happy there and you know we won't move there does we'll anything there. ever back up from there because every time that we've ever gone it's just smooth sailing getting yeah, in well this year was real easy um last year was the previous year was a little bit difficult just because we we kind of changed the way we did some of the ticketing stuff but we learned this year and i think the longest line we had was like maybe 10 minutes to get in which was which was easy but um like even like i mean nascar race they get eighty thousand people there you yeah, know? They, yeah it's yeah. just it's just set up to handle those crowds and you know, it's in Fontana. That's a big venue. That's it's a big deal for the city. So all the, the the police and the sheriffs who work that town are super cool, and you know they want they want to bring the events in. So it just it just works. So is this the year that you started using uh, the FOAT? Uh, I started using the FOAT last year. Got you. Yeah, and again, that's something that I should have started using seven eight years ago probably yeah and i think uh there's been there were a couple of guys that told me about mike and introduced me and i just did just did, i just lagged and just yeah. never did it but yeah i should i should have used him a long time ago so can you give like a quick breakdown of what yeah. the services that they offer and how it helped you on yeah. your end yeah so the vote is uh it's, a, it's an online ticketing service and what they do is they set up the event page for you and they do basically all your ticketing so you can control um, you know what the prices are you control you know what you want to do with the fees whether you, you pass it on to the customer or whether you eat it or whether you split it and then they have just data for all these events across the country because they're kind of like the ticketing guy they yeah. do all the uh who's what's cliff what's his events oh um ifo yeah they do all the ifo events and they do just everything and he just has data for days and days and days and then once you use him he stores everything for you yeah you know? so it's like i can go back and now i have email list from like the last two years of everybody who signed up you know anywhere in the country for one of my events like it's just and it's just the interface that you use is really easy to use to navigate and yeah yeah it, it's just just for the analytics it's worth it you yeah know? that's dope man mike yeah. is a really good uh, guy he's, yeah he's a super guy and it's like you can text him at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and say i i can't figure this out I'll, he just does it for you like he's just he's a good dude like i should have used him years ago yeah all right really kicking myself in the ass because for, for basically for all those previous years i really don't have any data you know because we were using their paypal for all the registrations <laughs> yeah which is a huge mistake like it seemed easy but it was a huge mistake so besides um not having any data what are some of the other problems that you ran into with using paypal um <laughs> i don't want to give too much of it away because we're still kind of using it for some of the outside <laughs> events it's just there's just ways for people to be sneaky and what about uh having to um bring your mom with you <laughs> that was the best <laughs> so was, tell, tell us uh, about that one <laughs> that was the absolute best i, I don't even remember what, that was one of the early events when we used to just like rail people on the facebook page yeah like back when the facebook page was actually like popping yeah you know like we would post something we get like 80 replies and that was before facebook just strangled everything yeah, like, yeah if you don't yeah. advertise now you like you don't get any any traffic but i forget what it was like the guy registered and he's like okay so we just have to print my registration and we're like yeah and then you know instead of just reading everything on the event page it's all there yeah he just kept asking questions and he's like anything else i should bring yeah pictures of your mom <laughs> really yeah actually okay yeah okay Okay, how about, what, just bring your mom with you, okay? You don't even bring pictures, just bring you. And it just kept going on and on, and it's like we've been we've been talking about it like every year. It comes up. At some point in time, it comes up on the event page. Like, I think for one of the events, we even said pay $22 and submit pictures of your mom, and everybody's like, what? So, 
Man, that's dope, yeah. dude. And um, do you still now to this day doing it for the last however fourteen years plus? Mm-hmm. Do you still have a lot of issues with people online asking yeah. questions that don't make sense? It's just yeah, it's all it's just to the point where it's laughable. Like like they'll ask me a, a a question on the event page, and then I reply and just put, "Hey, have you checked the event page?" You know, yeah. they're on it. You know, they just. It just nobody reads. Nobody takes the time to actually look at anything. Like, oh, I can just ask a question and people answer. It's like Google. You know, they yeah. think we're Google. Like, everybody's just pre-programmed to just ask a question or type a question in and have just somebody waiting for you. give them the answer. And it's just <laughs> like, it's just so ridiculous, you know. Or, or and then you're finally, you're nice. And you're like, oh, fuck, I'll just answer the guy, you know. Yeah. I, got, I got shit, shit to do. And you answer him. And then it leads to 17 more stupid questions, you know. Yeah. And it, it's just, I think it's just this age. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have a lot more patience than I do, man. <laughs> I, I don't think I could deal with a lot of those questions. Yeah. But um, have you had any issues that you had to deal with at, at the event with maybe people being unruly or not following rules? Or We've never had a problem. That's, I, that's the one thing is, is what's sad is I think um, sometimes the Honda crowd gets stereotyped. Yeah. You know, but I bet if you go to like a NASCAR race, there's something happens. I go if you go to any of the domestic drag races, I bet you some shit happens. We've never had a fight. Yeah. I mean, we've never had a problem. I've never had to call the cops. I mean, we've literally in 15 years, and now that's with the out of state events as well. We've never had a problem. Yeah. Like never. I think after somebody just looks at you, they probably just don't want to have a problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's like you know what? We're just. It's easier to to not take anybody's shit. You know, especially online, and then they know the day of the event. Like you're just not, you know, you, we're not gonna fuck around. Like if you're gonna act a fool, we'll just toss you out. Yeah, I, I don't care. I'll toss you out and give your money back. I don't give a shit. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm, we're just we're not gonna let that stuff happen. And it yeah. also seems like the IBOC meet brings a different crowd of enthusiasts as well. Yeah, I I always say that I think we get the best people in the best cars. Yeah, in that order. You know, I think. In terms of all the events that are similar to ours, I think we have the best crowd. I think we have the best demographic. May not be the biggest. Mm -hmm. Probably isn't the biggest. You know, but it is the best demographic. It is the people who buy Rywire. Mm -hmm. It is the people who buy Mugen. It Mm -hmm. is the people who buy Spoon, you know. And that's who we want to cater to. That's why we don't do a lot of the stuff that the other events do we don't do limbo yeah you know we don't do two-step contests we never will yeah absolutely never will do you think that that's not uh like a socal kind of thing or it's just no i I think it happens in socal i you know there's 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 i know it happens at local events you know yeah, there's an event yeah, yeah. that we hosted ibok for somebody else where they we they had that and we shut it down Oh really? Yeah, it's just it's just not necessary. It's yeah. just it's just kind of stupid. And just in this day and age too, when when somebody is doing that, like especially in Iwak back in that industrial area, and the noise is kind of going on, it does sound like gunshots. Yeah. Like if you weren't a car guy, it sounds like gunshots. Yeah, 100%. And just with everybody kind of on high alert right now, it's like I don't want to, I don't want to make things any worse. You know, yeah. people are like, oh they're back there by the freeway shooting machine guns. You know, <laughs> yeah. it sounds ridiculous to say, but if you weren't a car guy, oh definitely, that's absolutely what that sounds like. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like Ryan was telling uh, telling me yesterday that he's sleeping in the attic and he dropped his phone and he <laughs> yeah. thought it was a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So sometimes you never know, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, speaking about. Um, 
you know, prominent brands in the uh, in the community, such as Raya Wire, Mugen, Spoon. Um, let's talk about the vendors that you had at this past IBOC in, uh, in California. So can you go over some of the names? Oh, man. I mean, that was probably... That was probably the best vendor row that anybody has ever put together at an import event. I mean, I challenge anybody. Challenge any. I know yeah. I'm. It sounds like I'm talking shit. I challenge anybody to pull an event out that had a better turnout than that in the last twenty years. Yeah. Except for SEMA. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, a lot of those guys, you know, you don't go to SEMA. I mean, just put it this way: who has, who gets Mugen and Spoon? Mm -hmm. Both of them. Yeah. You know, and then you've got your Hosport and your Hondatas and your Rywires and your Falcons and then even all the old school brands too. Like we had, you know, HKS was out there and DC Sports, you know, AEM and your ICBs. I don't, I'm forgetting a bunch. I mean, there were 51. Like, so yeah. I'm obviously going to forget about 40 of them. 50? 51. Wow. Yeah, we have 51 this year. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. And we had 51 and we had them placed in like an hour and a half. Yeah. So I was I was actually pretty proud of that. But yeah, it was that was the most amazing vendor row that I've ever seen in an event. And it just in terms of the number was amazing, fifty one, but then the quality was just like mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't like when I'm talking fifty one, I'm not talking about a beef jerky guy and like free booth, you know, mm -hmm. to to Joe Blows. Like this is all like guys in the industry with legitimate businesses there was there was nobody there that you wouldn't we would just walk by their booth and go oh, what's that you know yeah like you stopped you wanted to stop at everybody's booth yeah so seeing the vendors that you did have uh, especially mugen and spoon uh let's kind of talk about how you ended up getting those guys and the trip to uh japan yeah. that we made yeah 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 uh, um, yeah so we had uh we had a really good trip to Japan this year. So we went to, um, so my, I have a buddy, uh, Aaron, who's, who he's the exclusive, uh, spoon sports distributor in the United States and spoon does an event, um, in Japan called the art heart Honda festival. And Aaron did it here. I don't know, five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. And he's just not, he, he's not an events guy, you know, so it's, it's hard to do. And they had a they threw a good event, but then they haven't done it for like four or five years. So he approached me about uh, getting involved um, in the event, and I said, "Yeah, I'm happy to help you promote it." You know, it's, he's a buddy, and like I said, he, we've known him for years, and I like the brand, and they've always come to to our events. And yeah. so um, he thought it was a good idea to go to Japan and you know have a, a meeting with the Spoon guys just to kind of give them our idea and present it to them. So we uh, we did. So we flew there, and we were there for Tokyo Auto Salon. Uh, Frank, uh, Ryan, and I, and Frank's wifey. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also while we were there, we got to, to meet Mr. Honda. Yes. Which was super cool. Yeah, so like, let's like, talk about dude, that, dude. Tell me he's not, he's the <laughs> raddest guy ever. Like, like, we go walking up those stairs, you know, to that conference room, and the door opens, and the guy's standing there with, like, the huge smile on his face. And he's like, hi, I'm Mr. Honda. And I shook his hands, and then I'm walking away. And I'm like, did this, he just say he's Mr. Honda? Did right. I, and I think we all walked into the conference room, and we go, did he say he was Mr. Honda? And everybody's like, yeah, that's Mr. I think that's Mr. Honda. And it was just kind of like, whoa. So he taught, he sat in you know, on the meeting with us, and we talked about uh, the brand and, and you know, Mugen and just social media. And yeah. Just everything kind of Honda and cars and 
influencing and it was just it was great he spoke great english and he was funny yeah like he was fun and then he gave us uh like a personal tour of the factory like it was just i don't it was like surreal almost you know i never get too fired up to meet people you know you don't show i don't post very many pictures of myself shaking somebody's hand online you know i'm like would never get somebody's autograph i'm not yeah. gonna let somebody write their name on a piece of paper <laughs> for me like yeah it just doesn't do anything for me you know but it was i was super fired up to meet him and it was it was an honor and it got me fired up about honda again you know rick really fired up got me really fired up uh for mugen oh like yeah it was just just seeing the way they do everything and i mean they were they had they were building heads there and uh, seeing seeing blocks for you know F one like it was just it was mind blowing. Yeah, um, when Ryan was on the podcast uh, a few back, we were talking about that experience when we went over there, and it was just it was, you're right, man. It was surreal. Like yeah. to me, I'm not the biggest Mugen fan mm-hmm. just because it it wasn't just it wasn't my thing, so I didn't know the history or yeah. anything about it, but finding out that that's like the son of honda yeah and we got to meet him and not only meet him like pretty much we had a a board meeting with him yeah and what was really cool is that um he was actually listening to everything that we were saying and telling his guy his um associate to Mm -hmm. like write things down yeah and that to me that was like a super highlight yeah. because no, it, was, it was cool and I think one of the coolest things about it, we were literally just talking about this today is um, he's like us in terms of being a tuner mm-hmm. where he didn't go the OE route he went the I'm gonna modify everything route which is what what we do like he's one of us yeah and I thought that was super cool yeah it was cool man it was it was a really different experience and it was cool just to see where the factory was yeah it was like in in a neighborhood yeah yeah, it was a trip. Yeah, we were at like that Dave and Buster's across the street. <laughs> yeah, because we got oh, dude, we got there right. early. Yeah, yeah, we got there way early. Yeah, yeah, it was just that was like a once in a lifetime deal. And I just major props to Scott Zellner. Yeah, uh, from King Motorsports, he's the guy who set that up. So oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah. So Scott's been like the Mugen distributor um, in the United States since like the mid '80s or something like that. Maybe even longer. So like he's like Scott Zellner's like the original honda enthusiast like when nobody was a honda enthusiast he was a honda enthusiast so it, it, since like the early 80s yeah like so he's be i mean think of everybody that you know or i know that are like the quote-unquote like ogs and like maybe when they started like i would be considered like an og yeah 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 and i got started in like 94 95 okay what about somebody who's 10 years earlier than me whoa and then never stopped like he's never stopped like he's still into it you know like he still brings in and he's he's the push right now for getting Mugen to go to, you know, Florida with us the first year mm-hmm. and then getting Mugen to go to Ohio with us last year and then getting Mugen to come to California with us this year. Dude, that's so crazy, man, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Like the event that you created from parking yeah. lot. No, exactly. And having these guys come from yeah, uh across the world. Yeah. And I think I think something else that I always trip out about the event is 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 kind of like you guys and like guys who are just coming to the events who are like people in the industry now or who run very successful businesses in the industry and have become like serious players like you and Ryan 
and like Joey. Yeah. You know, Joey's probably like one of his first events he ever went to was probably like an Eibach meet, you know? Yeah. And now he is throwing his own event at Eibach for <laughs> 11 years. Like that trips me out that he's been doing that for 11 years because it feels like four. Yeah. And honestly, like his event is one of the events that I look forward to every Hell year. Hell yeah. Dude, it is so good. <laughs> and I don't have to do shit. Like I show up and I open up the doors, you know, yeah. and I just, I just hang out and bullshit with people and him and his guys do all the work. And then I help him pick up a little bit of trash afterwards. Yeah. But it's like the one time where I just get to hang out, you know, and just kind of enjoy the cars. Yeah. That's funny that you say that because I always say if somebody's from uh not from California and they say, Hey, what event should I go to? I say, number one, you should go to Ibot. Mm -hmm. But if you don't come to Ibot, you should come to Joey's meet and mm -hmm. then go to SEMA. Yeah, after. yeah, yeah. That's like the perfect vacation. Yeah. And yeah, because uh, Joey's is always the Sunday before SEMA. Yeah. And Joey's event has turned into like, I would say maybe what Ibach was back in the day, but almost 100% quality. Yeah. Every single car. Yeah. That's well, yeah. There. And they're all, they're all handpicked by Joey. And then the cool thing is, is it's not just Honda. So yeah. you've got like, there's always a random McLaren and third gen RX-7 and Supras. I mean, it's all imports, but it's like really high quality. You know, obviously any show is going to be majority Honda. It's just kind of the way it yeah, is. But yeah. where his majority Honda is maybe like 50%. So it's 50% just other things that, you know, you don't always get to see. Yeah. You know, not a bunch of like stanced out crap. Like it's really good cars. Like his is like one of the few shows where you really want to walk the entire thing and just look at every single car. Like yeah. All good. So say an enthusiast like Joey, why do you think that people gravitate towards him so much? Because well, before we had him on the podcast, I, I talked to Joey probably you know, for a total of 20 minutes, yeah. <laughs> the last, you know, 10, yeah. 12 years that yeah. I've known him. But um, he has a, a following oh, that yeah. is ridiculous, yeah. man. Do you think that it, it's that he kind of just stays in the background a little bit and just does his thing and it doesn't, his opinion really doesn't change? Yeah, I think it's because he's never, he's like never changed lanes. Like it, it's you could read his early stuff and his latest stuff, and I think the only difference is is he's become a more talented writer. Like I think he's a very good writer. Yeah, and I think yeah, he's never like he's never went heavy stance or anything like that. Like he's always covered the stance stuff, but he covered the stance stuff when it was at Ibach. Yeah, and it was like like Arnell's car. Like you see that thing I posted the other day on his page. <laughs> yes, where the guys Ridiculous. like like name the owner, and it's like dude. And what was it? It was old school Hondas yeah, or something. I'm not, I'm not picking on those guys. It was yeah. just it was just I just thought it was funny because it's like that was the car that started the stance thing. Yes, that was the car where it were even then we looked at it and we're like, well, it's actually kind of cool, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like yeah. it, it was, and then everybody did it horribly. Yeah, and then it was like that's not cool anymore. But but props to him for being the first one to do that. And then Mikey was in it. It looked cool because they didn't take it to that stupid extreme. Yeah, that everybody else had to take it to. Like it was cool then, you know. But it's like if you don't know that one, like that's the one that started it all, you know. And he, I think he was one of the first ones to do like the rusty hood too. Yeah, didn't he do the rusty yeah, hood? Yeah, those and then dudes were definitely trends. Then everybody did that. Like everybody did that. I thought maybe he was one of the first ones to even like sticker bombs. I don't know. I maybe, I maybe get going too far with this. But yeah, Joey's never like changed. And the thing about Joey is that always impresses me 
is just his knowledge of like the cars and the modifications. So whenever he does week fast or, or any of that, and then he does his article, like I always read it and I always trip out because he's naming all these like kits and shit that I've never even heard of. Like yeah. I, I can't, it's like half of his thing that he writes when he's describing these cars that I think I know pretty well is like in Sanskrit. It's like a different language. Cause I don't know. How do you know all these crazy body kits and yeah. wheels and I've never heard of these every, and he knows like every single one, like he can take a picture of it. And he's not asking the owner at the meet because he doesn't talk to anybody. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he walks around and he take. He's not having a fifteen minute conversation with every car owner. So he looks at the car, and he knows what's on it. Yeah, and like a, like, I mean, if you were looking for somebody to like judge a show, like you can't really do much better than him because he knows like every modification. He knows like how rare this stuff is. Like he knows all the different chassis, but across like different brands too, like Lexus and honda and toyota and it's like i don't know it's just like i said he's never he's never switched lanes the photography's good and he always he's got an eye for like the winners like he doesn't he doesn't like do 500 pictures like he gives you like 40 that are just bangers yeah you know that's really what you want to see because i ideally you know you spend 12 minutes you know like you read everything and you look at the pictures and that's it you don't want to look through 500 pictures like it's just I don't know. He he just he just seems to get it. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Joey, man. I actually just yeah. got the uh, second version of mm-hmm. his book, and that thing's sick, man. I was looking through it with Ashley, and each picture I was just picking out, and I'm like, oh man, there's this car, and this car did this or that. Yeah. And then your CRX is in there, and it's just it's just uh, it's dope because we never had anything like that. It's yeah. it's pretty much like a history book. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like a like a, yeah it's like a, it uh, for us it is like a, a history book i never thought of it that way like i always consider it like a coffee table book like something you'd want to put out and display and just you know flip through the pictures but yeah it is like a history book in terms of like import stuff in the 90s and early 2000s and it's pretty yeah. neat yeah pretty, and then he kind of had the foresight to even try that you know like i'm gonna put out a book like who, who says i'm gonna put out a book yeah you know and then does it and then sells out you know so it's like you got a big following when you do stuff like that yeah no definitely definitely man big shout out to joey yeah man. i want to um before we get off joey when is the when is his meet do you know the actual date <sighs> so it's the it's the sunday before sema but sema's pushed back a, a week this year where normally sema falls the first week of uh, November. So if, if Halloween's like on a Tuesday or a Monday, SEMA would start like on Tuesday. So, but I think it's like SEMA. November 2nd? I so think it's either the second or third. It would be Sunday. Okay, so it's the third. So yeah, November 3rd, the Chronicles. And like I said, I think this is his 12th year. Wow. Yeah, and that, yeah, yeah it, that one's still, you know, like there's certain people or certain dates or certain events where you know you're like dude you're 13 years old or you're 28 that make you feel like old and like that's one of them for me where you're like dude he's on year 12 you know like because when i think of the eibach meet i feel like we've been doing it forever you know but it's like i'm only like four years ahead of his event yeah you know isn't that doesn't that seem kind of weird yeah man well ryan and i were talking earlier and he's telling us um when he started rye and he just remembers because of it's on the the shirt the logo it'll say the established 2005 and it's weird how we attach certain memories to certain years like i can put 2011 was the year that it rained just because i i can think about when certain things were happening in my life or whatever but yeah it's yeah it's pretty nuts to just look back and think like damn 
not only has the Eibach meet been going on that long, but like the the Chronicles meet, it's been it's like a yeah. spin off no, of exactly, Eibach, yeah. and it's still killing it. No, it's it's like he's like us. It gets bigger every year and probably a little bit better. Yeah, and it's always hot as balls. Yeah. Oh no, definitely, <laughs> man. So I'm looking forward to that, guys. If you're listening, uh, you should probably plan a trip to go out. Uh, make sure you check out his Instagram, but should be like the second or, or it should be november 3rd it's always not. the weekend before yeah. SEMA, so it's got to be that date so uh you touched on a good subject that i want to talk about was the uh the influence that phase two had mm-hmm. so mikey um arnell and then um i kind of think sid as well because he had the da with those uh what were they the work equip ones i think rebarreled and that mm-hmm. had pretty nice yeah. stance on it um so you've been in the industry a lot longer than i have so were they the first ones that you noticed doing stuff like that that they're the first i saw on the honda side like i think the volkswagen guys were doing some yeah. good stuff earlier but i don't you know i don't really pay it if you went back to like vw vortex which is like the big volkswagen form you'd probably see that much earlier yeah but on the honda side they had to have been the first they had, unless some dude did it by accident because he just bought the wrong offset wheels, you know? Yeah. And was like, oh, I just spent, you know, two grand on these wheels. I'm just going to rock it. But yeah, they, those were the first guys that I saw that did it. And, it and actually, popularized yeah, it. Yeah, and popularized it. And then they were like, I, you know, there were all obviously guys earlier that did air stuff too. But a lot of those guys were kind of the first to start going like the air route, you know, like as well. So when that stuff started going on, what were you thinking? Uh, you know, it's just everything changes there's just trends you know like like i saw it go from like mild stuff to like wings west body kits back to like the jdm thing and then it got to the point where all the cars were starting to look the same because that went on for like you know it's still going on mm-hmm. and then it, it started going back to like the wild side and then as soon as the wild side gets super wild it starts to go conserve and i think we're kind of back on that trek back to conservative again you know thank god yeah but yeah the whole stance thing was just it's just ridiculous and, it, and it's 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 cool to a degree, but the problem is, is it's just everybody takes everything just way too far. Yeah, like I'm more, more camber, more, and it's just you know you still see the stupid videos of the cars going down the street like this, or there was the picture that the dude put like stacked like fucking like <laughs> ten spacers on his car at one of the shows, you know, and it's just like I don't know. I mean, the thing with Hondas is like you modify them; they're front wheel drives, so they're you know they're not supposed to be you know super fast but you can make them handle and like you really they're just you're just ruining them like yeah literally ruining them you know like like mr honda's rolling over in his grave yeah you know it's like you're just ruining these cars like it's just and each his own you know i'll never i won't make fun of anybody for doing that it's just it's not my cup of tea it never will be Um, but like i said it just got taken way too far and it went on way too long and then the shitty thing about that is like that that led into like the wide body kit thing. Yeah, I'm. I think in terms of like the Honda side of mm-hmm. it, you know, because you know how do you get how do you get more 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 more? Well, you you extend the fenders, and now you can get even crazier. You know. Yeah. And that that was just that was an awful three or four or five years. <laughs> there were the couple of years at SEMA where literally every car has some shitty body kit bolted <laughs> onto it, like just and it just got progressively worse. Like yeah. everything had it, and it was just hack jobs and just done bad and just kids were buying like these brand new frs's and you know cutting the fucking fenders off and they're still making car payments on them you know it's just crazy dude ridiculous yeah having to having to cut the front fenders i mean okay yeah Yeah. but having to cut the quarter panels yeah that's wild dude what are you gonna tell your parents yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to yeah, tell your It's friends? okay. I still got 67 months left. You know, I'll, I'll, we'll figure it out. I'm going to keep this car forever. I love it. So speaking of uh, things that make you uh, roll over in your grave, let's talk about the uh, Heavy in the Streets EG. I don't mind that one because, <laughs> really? yeah, it's like... I even gave you I gave you ideas for yep. that one because it's like you're doing it just to like almost to spite everybody or yeah. to kind of almost make fun of all that stuff. You know, it's like I actually kind of like it. I dig it, you know. So uh, that car has a little more history than yeah. just um, what it appears now. So uh, let's let's dive into that because I really don't know that much about it. Yeah. So that was that car has been around since um, like the late 90s really yeah so it's a 93 yeah 93 cx so yeah so what's your first earliest memory of it so this one dude um his name was uh ismar he had it and we had like our local uh like car crew like we were hds racing and um he was in it and he went like that was like he was heavy jdm like the license plate i think was jade you saw the license plate Mm -mm. It was JDM EG6. No. I think that's what it was. Uh-huh. But he had that license plate frame, and it had a uh, Type R motor, and it had just a lip on it, and, like, black and red r and was like, really nice car. This was, like, in the late 90s. Like yeah. Where, you know, back then it was kind of like, whoa, like, that's, it was cool. So he had it, and then he wanted to get rid of it because he wanted, like, he built, like, a spoon-themed, like, ITR after that. So he sold it to my buddy Randy, and Randy was the guy that, you heard me talking about the NSX earlier. That was the guy ran a bunch of nitrous on it. So Randy was like an older guy from San Diego, and he bought it. And Ismar sold it to him as a shell. And then my buddy Kevin built like a uh, LSV Tech for it. Mm-hmm. So it was a B twenty block with like a V Tech head with, but CTR transmission had AP brakes, like thirteen inch AP brakes, oh, like under, underneath fifteen inch T thirty sevens, like in the late nineties. Wow, you know, like it was way ahead of its time, dude, and it it ripped. Yeah, and then uh, Randy had it for a couple of years, and then he wanted to get rid of it, and I'm like, oh man, I should I should buy this, you know. And then he's like, he goes, dude, you got to make payments on it if you want. And I'm like, oh okay, cool. So I bought it. What year was this? Do you remember? Early two thousands, probably. <laughs> yeah. So I bought it, and then I had. Uh, I went back through the motor. We did cams on it. <coughs> we did cams. We did. Um, I had there was a company called Header Tech mm-hmm. built like a really badass long tube header for it. That was back when like high tech was around. There weren't really SMSP, but there weren't a bunch of header options like two and a half inch collector like header guys. So this dude in New York built like a custom header for it for me, and then I did. I mean, it went the exhaust went straight back, went underneath the lower control arm, so it didn't even like bend. It just almost went straight out. Oh shit! With like a race muffler, and I and I think I had it tuned. Or we went Honda, but it ended up it made like two fifteen to the wheels, mm-hmm. like a hundred and sixty foot pounds of torque. With back then, like that, like out of a really kind of like a mild B series, like it was that was a lot of power, like with a, a CTR transmission. Like dude, it ripped, man. Like it would chirp third and then when you hit the brakes like it would almost like endo like it was rad and then i had the engine bay resprayed and then i had um so at this time it was red it was red okay yeah yeah and then i had um i gutted the interior and then we did i have mob work spray the interior of it and that mm-hmm. was like one of you know there was the one car from ff ff squad that had like the interior sprayed and then there was mine and maybe like a one or two other ones. Like it wasn't really popular then, but mm-hmm. it was like saying that it was like glass inside and then just two race seats, auto power cage, 
like uh, Takata harnesses. But, yeah. Like, nobody had Takata harnesses. You know, it was a rad car. And then T37s. Fuck. And then I had it for a couple of years. <clears throat> and then I forget what I was doing. It was always oh, when I was leaving Honda Club. And we had a supercharged S2000 that was like our company car. And so when I was leaving, uh, my boss was like, you, you can buy it. Because, you know, at that point, we'd had it for a couple of years. And marketing purposes, like everybody had S2000. And I'm like, well, let me figure it out. So I ended up parted everything out. And I've got the S2000. But Gil and yes. Will from yeah. San Diego, they ended up buying that shell off me. And that's when they were Circuit Hero. And that's when they were like just starting. I, don't, I think it was before they were even Circuit Hero. Hmm. I think they got it before Circuit Hero. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't think Circuit Hero. Was I remember it. when it came out when it was gray and got yeah. featured in Honda tuning. It, they had already had yeah Hon, or um, Circuit Hero okay. back yeah, then. I just I want to say that they might have rocked it red for a little while. Got you because okay. it was like you didn't need to get it and paint it. Like it, it was it was in great shape. So I think they would have rocked it red for a little while, but then they tore it all apart and then they painted it. It was like a cement or something like that. Or yeah, like Nardo, I guess Nardo it's gray. a dolphin gray okay. from the Saab color. Okay, got it. Yeah, and then they went. He went back through the whole thing and like, dude, it was that was a beautiful car. Yeah, K K swapped it. K, yeah, yeah, went K. Yeah. So yeah. then uh, I remember that car just from being mm -hmm. at Eibach meets. Yeah, and just loving that color. No, it was you know? yeah, it was a great car. And then I I think it was. I think Will is the one who actually owned it. Mm -hmm. and Will yes, got, Will. Yeah. yeah, Will got more into like riding, you know, desert desert dirt bikes and stuff like that. And I think he eventually parted out, and then you got basically got the shell. Yeah, I don't even remember when I got it, but yeah. the car just chilled for like two years, mm -hmm. and then I just got the idea because I always wanted to do a graffiti engine bay mm -hmm. after the hybrid racing, the Del Sol. Mm -hmm. I just liked that kind of style. I thought that looked cool, and um. I was trying to do some shaving in the engine bay and just wasn't coming out how I wanted it to. And I didn't really have anybody to shave it. So I figured like, Hey, the graffiti will hide a lot of the imperfections. Yeah, yeah. And then after I did that, it just kind of went downhill and I was just taking pretty much any idea. And yeah. Yeah. I remember that was that time at Florida where we were just chilling <laughs> by the pool and yeah, you're like, you were, yeah, why, how come you don't have the monster tack? And you're like, what's that? <laughs> Dude, that's in the 90, 97, 98, yeah. <laughs> You just had to have the pillar mounted monster tack with the shift light. Like everybody had yeah. that. And then you got on your phone and it was ordered like 30. Is this the one? Yeah. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs> to your house. Yeah, man. No. We definitely got a lot of shit for that car, but I, I just had, I had more fun building that than yeah. I did my ride hand yeah you know it no, was... it, it turned out really good it's just you know it, it's it's a statement piece almost like, yeah you know it was cool and i i just think it's cool that we know the origin of that car for like 22 years yeah like 22 years like right it's some sort of like a 67 you know camaro or something like that like we know the origin of this civic for 22 years yeah i, I always think about that too because we think about people and how much they grow over time but like these inanimate objects they have a life of their own mm -hmm. as well you know at one time this car was part of your life and an yeah. important part of your life and after me who knows where it will go mm -hmm. and it's not going to meet it's like final demise until it ends up at a junkyard yeah. and, and it's funny because it, it's like think of all the cars you owned and how many can you say that about you know really like the, that one i know of and then even like so like my that that uh white itr that i had yeah. like that was honda mics before me 
So I remember that car coming to the IWOC meets, yeah. the original ones. But I remember when he it was coming to the NWP meets or the little the smaller type R meets, like back in like the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, and then I bought it and then I had it for what however long, four or five years, and then there's a new owner and the new owner has went completely the other way and put a B back in it. But that's one of those cars where you'll you know, at the end of the day you'll know the history on it for like, you know, twenty, twenty five years. It started yeah. off as this one guy's car and you know, and everybody knows where it's at. Or like even like Esteban's car, you know, Esteban, right? Like, so my white car, Honda Mike had, or Mike Honda, and then Esteban had a black one and they were both like the original Mugen, like catalog cars. They had all the Mugen parts, but I think Esteban's car is still floating around because it's like, oh, that was Esteban's car. But you just, you just kind of know. Yeah. And I think that's cool. So what made you want to get rid of the uh, ITR? Um, I just wasn't driving. Well, <laughs> I, I built a SEMA car and needed money. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to get into that car. So yeah, it was, it was when it was time to come to pay the paint and body for <laughs> like that quality of a SEMA build. Like it was like that went to fund that the other build basically. And I wasn't driving it. Like it was just, <clears throat> it was this high off the ground in the front, you know, and it's just, I, I would drive it here and there, but it's, with my schedule, you know, thinking that I was going to go to the track or something yeah. with it. It's, there's no way, man. I got something going on every weekend. Like, there's I, I there's no sense in keeping to drive it to a car yeah. and coffee every month. It was a fun car. I remember oh, that time great. that you let me drive it. Yeah. Somebody was doing a video. I think it was Chris. It was Chris, yeah. Chris was doing a video, yeah. so I took the car for no, a drive, it, and that no, show was it, fun, Yeah, man. it ripped, man. Like, it absolutely ripped, and it was fun to drive. It was just, you know, it was fully caged, so it was like... To crawl in and out of it was just a nightmare to get, firstly for me, like to get in and yeah. out of it. And so you'd want to drive it for like an hour and then, you know, chill at whatever and then get back in it. And then maybe you couldn't go multiple destinations. You didn't want to be in that thing for hours at a time either, you know? Yeah. At some point, did you feel like that you were maybe a little too yeah. seasoned to be driving? Like I just fell out of place. Really? Yeah. And I, I always kind of justified it. Um, not that people have to justify driving big Hondas. It mm -hmm. was just me personally. Um, I just thought that I was too old to be like in a lowered gutted Integra. And I always justified it in my head that, oh, but this is like the enthusiast one that like, this is a, this is a type R. You yeah. Know? Like, or this is no, that's not an E30. It's an E30 M3. It's an enthusiast <laughs> car, you know? And, but the non people, car people don't know any better yeah. They're, to them. It's like, oh, you're in a 1998 Integra and you're, you know, yeah. you got three kids and, <laughs> no hair and you know i look like the old guy you know i'm like the guy that you probably take a picture of going down the freeway and like this old guy in this type r you know like that's me like the old guy at the club you know and i'm like i just i don't know i think that was part of the reason why i didn't drive it that much you know and i think that's part of the reason why i just kind of like i'm gonna move on and and i think moving into like the porsche stuff yeah i think that ryan would probably agree that the porsche stuff for us now is kind of like civic stuff yeah you know because they're small they have interchangeable parts. You can modify them, you know, but I look my age in a Porsche. Yeah. You know? and, and again, that shouldn't be a big deal. And maybe I shouldn't be self-conscious about that, but I am, you know, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay to admit that. Yeah. So what made you get into Porsches? So I, uh, I was actually maybe a little bit ahead of the game. Like mm -hmm. this isn't something I just got into like a year or two ago. Um, I bought one. So I had a black uh, 01 type R like eight, nine years ago. Mm -hmm. 
and I had that and I drove it around and it was just, I just lowered it and drove it and just loved it, you know, and just got to the point where I wasn't driving it that much. And I wanted to do something different. And this was about the time when the first RWB, like Mark Arsenal's one hour RWB car came over. And I started looking at the Porsche stuff a little bit and I've always liked them. And like I said, they're very similar to Ohana. They're, they're compact, they're easy to work on. There's a huge availability of parts. They're, um, just everything about them I like. There's a you know motorsport history, and then so I started kind of hanging around on some of the Porsche forums, you know, and reading about them a little bit. And I started looking at the pricing and stuff. And then so I'm like, I'm gonna get one. I'll just find a piece of shit like a learner car. And so I found one out in the desert for like 7,500 bucks, like a an 82 SC, ironically, which is what the green car is, mm-hmm. 82 SC. But it, the one that I bought in the desert was a Targa had like a metal wide body on it already, like a factory looking wide body, which was actually really done well. Mm-hmm. 220,000 miles on it, which I was like, wow, it's a lot of miles, but they're literally just getting broken in at that point. Like oh, that, really? That might be where you, when you do like the rod bearings or yeah. just like a resale on the, like the, the, the stuff that generally will leak, you know? But yeah, it's one of those deals where you're kind of kicking yourself because I was looking at I ended up buying a piece of shit, but if I would have spent like fourteen or fifteen thousand dollars, I would have ended up with like a forty-five thousand dollar car. Or the cars that are like eighty or ninety now were like thirty then. Oh, you know, it was way way ahead of like all the Porsche stuff going crazy. So, anyways, I bought it for seventy-five hundred bucks. I gutted the interior. I deleted the rear seats. I put Recaros in it. I had uh, CCW built like a super rad set of wheels for it kind of had like those uh testarossa like vents on the side like real 80s looking but it didn't have the slant nose so i built like 80s looking wheels like big chrome lip gold centers you know and i drove it around and it just i couldn't wrap myself my head around i bought a targa you know but the price was right like i said it was a learner car so i kept it for i think i had it for about a year and then i sold it thinking that ah you know I'll, i'll get into one of these later i want to do something else so i ended up buying that impala mm-hmm. and so i i bought the impala and i had that for i don't know how long many years three or four years and just cruised that around and then wanted to get back into a porsche but at that time like the prices had just gone crazy like it was just like ridiculous so i kind of kept my ear to the ground and just kind of looked and then actually this car that ended up being the green car i found in on a forum in louisiana like the dude found it in a barn and was basically just reselling it and the motor wasn't locked, but he couldn't verify whether it would it would run or not, you know. So I just rolled the dice on it. You know, I bought it sight unseen. The guy put it on a trailer and he shipped it out here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, we started slowly taking it apart. And we were going to do like a little build with a European car where we just maybe go through the motor and just touch some stuff up. And then um, our COO kind of saw what I was doing and we've always wanted to do like a cool car in our booth at Ibach. Like we, every year at SEMA, we always do like, if it's a new Mustang comes out, we put the new Mustang mm-hmm. in, or if, uh, there's a new truck, a new Tacoma, we put and It's just a Tacoma. It's kind of bland. It's yeah. kind of boring. So we're like, ah, let's do a cool car. So he goes, he goes, well, how far are you going to take your Porsche? And I'm like, well, if we want to do it for SEMA, I mean, I'll, I'll take it all the way. Yeah. You know, I'll just, we'll just go, you know? And then all of a sudden it became SEMA build. So it's like, you know, February of, of last year. And I called Willie and like, Hey, this is like now a SEMA deal. Like we're going to have to talk to the guys at sleepers and, and Ryan and all the guys involved. And like, we got to like, this has got to be badass now. So you already had a picture in your mind of what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I knew what I wanted. I knew I didn't have colors or anything like that, but I knew that I didn't want to do what all these other dudes do. Like everybody, I didn't, I knew it was going to wide body it. I knew it was going to keep it. I was going to build like a Civic, yeah. you know, 
I wasn't going to wide body it. I wasn't going to add a bunch of weight to it. I wasn't going to add 18 inch wheels. I wasn't going to do just all these weird things. You know, I wanted to make it a little bit more modern, but I wanted to kind of keep like that, that period correct look, you yeah. know? And, but I knew like a lot of the stuff that we do, like as Honda guys, like the Porsche guys just hadn't seen before. Like they would just flip out, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, we gutted it. You know, it was like, it's literally your, your standard EG build. Like, yeah. you know, it's literally like your textbook yeah. EG build. You gut it, you spray the engine bay, you build a motor, you put it in, you tuck what you can, but you don't go crazy. You just clean it up and make it look good, you know? And then you gut the interior, you repaint everything to match the outside. You put two seats in it, you put a cage in it, you you flock the dash or mm -hmm. you know do whatever the case is. You put a nice set of wheels on it, you do sticky tires with a bunch of rubber, you upgrade the brakes, you upgrade the suspension, you know, you make the fuel management as, as modern as you can, and then boom, you got a car. And that's yeah. basically what it is, just on like this this level. Yeah. You know? It's it's it was crazy. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be back in one minute. Yo, what's up, fool? Make sure you check out Downstar for all of your dress-up needs. Get it popping over here. We have all the kits for the K-Series, the B-Series, the transmission, the mounts, the engine, the Toro, baby. We have the hardware for the seats, for the stereo. We got it for the speakers. We got it for the lug nuts. We got it for the air valves. We got it for everything, dog. So you make sure you hit us up at downstarring.com or you call us up, fool. You can even text us, lame, 818-937-3472. Just shoot us a text and tell us what's up, dog. I need some fucking boss in this bitch hit us up downstarting.com hey and if you got an instagram slide in our fucking dm at downstar wait hit up the homie frank underscore downstar he's the one that takes care of all the dms hit that level up and shoot him a message and he'll get you all taken care of real nicely so when you finished that car um what was the road to sema like for you and what was it like being at SEMA and getting the uh, reception that it yeah, did. Yeah, it was crazy. Like we just kind of, we just kind of cruised all year, you know, like it was never a big hurry. You know, we're like, oh, we're going to have this thing done in like August, you know, or mm -hmm. September, you know, like, I've <laughs> yeah. got plenty of time, you know, and, and nobody was ever really uh, working on it full time. Like Willie does something else on the side. So he'd work on it for like two or three hours a day. Sleepers is running their own thing. Ryan's got his own gig, you know, and it was just, it, it you know all of a sudden you know that Willie had to do that you know he, he Willie did so much work on it like he didn't I think it ended up being a lot more than what he thought it was going to be it ended up being a lot more than we all thought it was going to be because I mean he stripped uh -huh. it down to a bare shell sandblasted it did all sorts of rust repair you know he plugged the sunroof I was telling Ryan the other day it took him like three weeks just to do the sunroof wow it's like it's flawless like you would never guess it had a sunroof in there and that's Willie works yeah Willie works gotcha um, and then he did a, he on his own took all the bolts off, re-zinked every nut and bolt. Yeah. Like himself and get some water. He re-zinked every nut and bolt himself. You know, he called me one day and he's like, I got an idea. And he's like, you want to delete the radio and all that stuff? And I'm like, yeah. And then, uh, he goes, I think I'm going to build a carbon fiber lower dash, like one piece. And I'm like, you can do that. Just crawl under. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just crawl under, dude. And I'm like, you could do that? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. Do it. So we just kept adding shit to it, you know? And then, 
he did a bunch of work in the rear to just he shaved everything that may have protruded or 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 you know held a seat on at some point but real subtle you know so it still looked oe and then i think it was like i want to say like august rolled around Mm -hmm. you know and he's starting to paint the car and you know, we're still not stressing about anything. And then all of a sudden, September rolls around. <laughs> and, you know, it's like we haven't even started on the motor yet. And then you got all Ryan's, the events coming like, up. The only, the only person out of the group is really building these SEMA cars is Ryan. And he's starting <laughs> to ask a lot of questions like, hey, like, when are you guys going to start doing them? You know, we're like, we're cool, dude. We're cool. Ryan's like, nah. Yeah, we're cool. <laughs> and then, mad, dude, dude <laughs> he was mad. He was mad. He uh, And then I think, I want to say, I don't think we got the car to sleepers until maybe the first week of October. And what is their um, their part in sleepers, it? Sleepers, uh, basically, they did all the fab work and like built the motor. Okay, gotcha. And but nothing was done yet, so they didn't they didn't want to start till they had the car, you know. So in you know we had to wait for Willie had to complete the car and get it to them, you know. And he wasn't lagging. It's just like I said, we kept adding sh- more shit and more shit and more shit like it, it wasn't supposed to, to go this far at all yeah like i said he's working on it for like maybe two hours a day three hours a day and then that was the year we had all that rain too mm-hmm. and so it's like you know how it is you can't paint when it's that rainy so it's just it's one of those deals you know yeah dude it always seems like all sema projects go like that you think ah oh, we got yeah. this plan in february we'll be good in yeah. november <laughs> yeah. but then so, life happens no dude yeah and it's it's then it's like the second week Ryan's coming over and Ryan's like, hey, I want to start. We need to get the motor in the car because I want to start laying everything out. I got to start measuring everything. And um, so we're looking through like the parts list that I got and I forgot to order like some bearing or something like that. And they were on national back order. Oh, so now I'm like freaking out. Like we're trying to like email Germany to see if we can get these bearings like overnighted from Germany so we can start the motor build. Yeah. You know, and we're having a hard time finding them. So Ryan basically goes over and he's like mocking up his wiring just on another motor that's like sitting there, you know. And then um, then he's kind of trying to figure out like where the motor would sit in the car and then like the length of the wires. Like it wasn't Oof. wasn't like really the right way to do anything, but he was kind of we kind of forced his hand. Yeah. And he cooperated reluctantly. And then so finally I. I was like well dude who would have those bearings and so i i met an engine builder in phoenix at, at a porsche event like a week prior and i go I wonder if he would have them you know he built motors and he had them and he over ended up overnighting them but i oh, think nice. yeah they they built the motor like in three days or something like that which with like a porsche motor like it's you generally just they don't you just don't go that fast you yeah. know it's like so they got the motor in and then ryan had to wire it you know and then there was still he still had to bolt the roll cage in or make the roll cage there was just still a ton of work like custom mount this oil cooler i mean they had to make seat rails so the seat the, the seats would actually sit at the correct height the sparko seats and then figure out where we wanted the ecu make make the uh, uh the mount for the ecu dude they were make exhaust there was so much to do yeah it was like insane and we're like a week out now <laughs> And then, Fuck. yeah, it's, we're like a week out from it leaving, you know? And then, um, I forget, I forget what day it was, but it was like sleepers is closed on a Sunday and we, they worked Saturday and we didn't, didn't get as far as we wanted. They're closed Sunday and Monday. And I think Ryan was like, dude, you gotta have them. You gotta have somebody there in on Saturday, Sunday to do this. I forget what it was like finish the motor or, or I, I don't remember what it was, but he was like, he basically said, I'm going to walk. <laughs> 
if you don't do this on Sunday. That's what he told me. If you don't get this accomplished on Sunday, I'm going to walk. And so I called Len, and Len's like, you know, he's Len's, oh, he, Len owns sleepers. Yeah. So sidebar, Len, old school Honda guy, was one of the Hawaiian dudes that was going like tens like back in the day. Yeah. And like worked at all the different shops, like super, super awesome dude. And so that was, it's one of the cool things about the car is ultimately it's all Honda guys who built it, a Porsche. Yeah. You know, but you know, Len's always like, ah, we, you know, Len's like, no, we can get to it Tuesday. And I'm like, dude, Ryan's going to walk. Like just, it was the engine builder Francis. So it had to have been finishing the motor. And so I just, I go, look, just have Francis come in. I'll pay him out of my pocket. Like you don't have to pay him to be there that day. I'll pay him out of my pocket. Just open up the shop and let him finish off the motor. So he did. And honestly, looking back, if we wouldn't have done that one day, we probably wouldn't have made it. Oof. We probably wouldn't have made it. Yeah, because it was like, I, I can't remember what it was, but there was some, we found some other stuff that we still needed to get. And, you know, with sh everything was overnight shipping. And, like, we were in a final thrash. So it was like, so the car was being picked up on Saturday before SEMA. Mm -hmm. And that was like, because it was going with an, a whole group of cars to go to SEMA Saturday night. And so we were at their shop, you know, at the all day Friday and I had to work. I ran down at like five and then it was kind of like all hands on deck to just kind of get everything dialed in. Ryan brought in uh, fatty mm -hmm. to help us get the, the motor fired. And do we were there till I think the motor fired at two in the morning or something on Friday. Like that. On, yeah. It was like your typical hot rod TV show. <laughs> like, it, like it came down to that. Like you think all that stuff scripted and it's like, literally came down to that same thing it's two in the morning the night before the car the car gets fired and we were having all sorts of problems like we were we were trying to figure out if we could we were trying to call who trying to call somebody at a.m to like pick up a fitting at their house at midnight like <laughs> texting people like at midnight, like, hey i'm sorry to be texting you at midnight but i need this you know it was yeah. like ridiculous like trying to steal things off other people's cars you know yeah whatever and like like fatty like really saved the day like we would have never got that thing fired if he didn't show up like he just could troubleshoot anything gotcha and every time that we were kind of ready to just say oh fuck it we'll just push it and he's like no no, no we got it we got it and he's just calm and cool and then finally we got it to the point where it was starting to turn over and it was backfiring and sleepers is like literally right next to these apartments on placentia and costa mesa that are probably like seven hundred fifty thousand dollar apartments mm -hmm. And it was like every time we fired up the car, it was like a bazooka went off because it would backfire yeah. and echo everywhere. And it was just like, it was insane. And it happened probably 10 times. And I'm just waiting for the cops to come. Yeah. Like I'm just literally waiting for the cops to come. And then we kept going and going and going. And then we finally, we got it to fire. And then we were like, well, cool. It's running, running now. You know, the whole goal is like, you don't want to push a car yeah. into SEMA. Like anybody can push a car into SEMA. You want to drive it in and you want to drive it out. Like, that's the deal. So we're like, cool, we can push, we can drive it in and we can drive it out. We're good. So the next morning, uh, just all the fine touches, Willie came down, uh, touched up some stuff, put the seats in, put the harnesses in, set right height, got it to go. And I think it got picked up at like 2, 2.30, 2 o'clock or something like that. And then off it went to SEMA. On Saturday. On Saturday, yeah. And yes, SEMA's we, Tuesday. Yeah, we made it. Yeah, yeah. You got to get it out there early because Ibach put it on like on like a platform in our booth. Like it was a big to do, you know. Yeah. And since we were using this transport company, like all of his cars were going up that day. Like if there was, if it was a complete nightmare and we couldn't get anything to work, like we could have towed it out ourselves yeah, yeah, on yeah. Sunday. But the goal was is to be ready by like the date and drive it in. But yeah, it was a thrash, dude. Like honestly, looking back, like right now, like I'm so glad we're not doing that. Like it was, 
it was crazy. Like I don't it it I don't want to say it left a bad taste in my mouth, but it was like a nightmare. Like yeah. I don't know how people do that every year. Like it was miserable. Imagine multiple cars. Yeah, it just it doesn't matter. And then Ryan at the time was like working with other people in their SEMA cars, and it's like Tuesday before SEMA, and they're like they don't even started. You know? yeah. and I'm just like he's coming back frustrated, and he's like these these dudes haven't even started, and I'm just like. This is insane. Yeah. Like, this is insane. But we got it. Yeah, we got it. We got it finished. And honestly, it was cool. I mean, that's the first time I've ever had my own car at SEMA. And so to like, so basically that morning, probably at about like 7 or 7.30 when I got up, I just kind of popped on Instagram and all this. I was already being tagged and stuff. Like it was like, boom, boom. They were, it was getting hit the day before being pulled yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people were getting to their booths early in the morning and like already taking pictures of it. And so the whole time I'm walking in, like I'm getting boom, 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 tagged in. And then that whole week, man, it was just like, it was everywhere. Like it was everywhere. Yeah, that car definitely went viral, dude. Yeah, it was everywhere. It was so cool. You know, it was just neat. And then just people were like the people stopping in to see it, like Jay Leno is stood there for like 10 minutes and just looked at it, like looked at everything. And everybody was just like, and it, and it hit everybody. Like it hit the old Porsche guys loved it. The tuner guys loved it. The people who weren't in the Porsche guys loved it. The, the V8 dudes loved it. Like it, it just, it's the one car like everybody could agree on there. Like there were some really good cars. Like, there was like the one Ferrari that, you know, that was probably one of the other real popular ones. The, <coughs> excuse me, the one button build or whatever. The, the Ferrari, um, wasn't that like the, the Camaro or the Mustang one? No, it was a, it was a legitimate Ferrari. Oh, the button. That, that's the one. Yeah. yeah that but one, that then was... there was that other one too. Uh, I think it was the Mustang that had the, uh, the Ferrari engine and, that one yeah. was dope yeah too. yeah so it was cool i mean it was kind of like though there was like four or five cars that i think were like the yeah, cars definitely of and it was definitely one of them like it was absolutely one of them for sure yeah. so it was like it was really neat like it was it was a, and i literally i stood there all day every day just talking about the car the entire time like to this magazine or this being interviewed by this guy or that guy and it, it was just it was really cool then make all the hard work worth it it did it honestly and honestly I had the easy job. I paid for it. Like I, I, <laughs> yeah. No, I actually take that back. That wasn't the easy job. That was the fucking hard job paying for it. I, but it was like, I kind of had the vision um, of what it was, you know, and I was willing to like, to kind of, to roll the dice and say, dude, let's just, let's try it. Let's see if it worked. But yeah. like Ryan had the hard work. Willie had like the really hard work. Yeah. Uh, sleepers had the hard work, you know, and I, I paid for it all. <laughs> Basically, well, and I like last yeah. month, like literally every time I got a text, it was $500. Like every time my phone dinged, it was like $500. Like, we need this tomorrow. <laughs> okay, I'll get it. Yeah. Now, how, how did that go over with the boss? She was cool with it. You know, I've got a pretty good history with, with cars, you know, and it's like, and I'm not afraid to move them. Like, honestly, our house is, <clears throat> excuse me, our house, you know, I, I, sold a car to, to make the down payment on her house mm -hmm. you know so it's like it i've always done really well with them where i, I maybe i don't make a killing on them but i don't lose money on a car i'll yeah, never yeah, lose yeah. money on a car you know i always buy right and i always sell for probably a little bit more even after a couple of years so what's the uh the future of the porsche now it's just chilling it's at so it had you know it had just like a whole year's worth of media commitments like it was shot for I think four different magazines in total Sick. and then just different blogs and then people stopping by for this or that. So it's just been 
said Eibach, you know, for a couple months, it's been at sleepers for a couple months and then I'll get it back. We have our Eibach, um, Oktoberfest. Yeah. October 12th. So I'll have it back hopefully within, uh, the next couple of weeks at my house and then I can drive it. Dude, you know? So it's yeah, like, man. everything's done. Like all the commitments are done. Like, you know, this guy was able to keep it for his booth at this, you know, every yeah. commitment is now done, you know, so I can just, now we can do whatever with it. Now, speaking of the, uh, October, is that what it's going by? Yeah, I That's Ibok. one of the uh, next events, but let's, let's get into real quick. I know it's already been a long, uh, long time, but, um, when I decided to add more events to it besides the SoCal. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's talk about that and why you decided to go to the stops that we did. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to do it and I just never, I don't want to say I didn't get off my ass and do it, but I mean, that's honestly, that's the reason I just didn't, I didn't know if it would work outside, outside the United States, you know? And I think after we had a really successful year, I think it was our first year in Fontana, mm -hmm. you know, people would always say like, why don't you go somewhere else? Why don't you go somewhere else? And then my reply was always like, buy me a venue. Yeah. Buy me a, and that was always my easy way out. Yeah. Is like, nobody's going to find a venue for me, you know? And then all of a sudden Greg Park, you know, he goes, he goes, Hey, um, I was at formula drift and they did somebody did like a pre-meet at UTI and I met the people there and they do like all these events there. Maybe you could do an event there. And he goes, I'll hook you up with the dude. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I called the guy and he goes, yeah, we do events, weekly events at UTI. You know, here's the address that's in Orlando. And so I Google mapped it and, you know, looked at it. And I'm like, God, that would actually probably work, you know, and that's, it's a good Honda scene in Florida. You know, yeah. I have customers I can see down there while I'm there. And, you know, it was, it wasn't super expensive. And it's like, I, I, I didn't have an excuse at that point. Like he found me a venue. It wasn't expensive, you know, it's yeah. kind of like, well, dude, let's try it. Yeah. Let's try it. And so we announced that we were doing it and everybody was like super fired up. We were doing it. Like it was, everybody was stoked. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you know, I, I went back to our old ways of like, well, how can I get, how can I let people know we're going to do this? You know? So I go. Well, I'll screen the cars and we'll do like a VIP section like we used to. Well, the old VIP section, you just paid like anybody could be in it. Well, yeah. I'm like, where I'm going to hand screen these and then, you know, I'll post like, hey, VIP is number four is Alex. And then my thinking is like, oh, they'll repost it and it will help me promote the event. Yeah, that was a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so it worked out really good. And so, I mean, I put up the thing saying, okay, here, send your three pictures of your car and your mod list to, to the email address. And I think overnight we got like 60 or 70, like the first night. You know, and I'm like, whoa, this is like, we got something here. Like, this is going to be good. And then, so I got all these VIP applications and then we did like our feature area. I hooked up with some guys back there who kind of gave me the lay of the land, like Robbie, mm -hmm. you know, I said, I went, flew back there earlier in the year to see a customer, but then I had lunch with Robbie and his yeah. girlfriend and Robbie was like super helpful because he'd been to events at that facility and kind of said, no, this is maybe this is the best way to do roll in, you know, and then help me reach a bunch of the local guys. Um, so that was cool. And then, so we did our first event there and I think we had like it was a good event 10, man. 12 vendors like yeah. really good the VIP cars were crazy like mm -hmm. they were so good like Florida's just they've got really good cars in Florida like I don't know I mean a lot of people were saying oh man they were they almost discouraged us like oh wait till you go to Florida dude it's all shit boxes and dude the cars were so good like the VIP cars in Florida are, were as good as anywhere else yeah. I think Think, I don't think cumulatively anybody beats California just in terms of like quality and quantity, 
but the the VIP cars in Florida were great, and they all had stories. Like we had, there was a guy who had like a '98 Integra or a '98 Type R, who's the original owner. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's, it had all the moving parts on it, and like all the local Florida guys are like, we've never seen this, we've never <laughs> yeah. even seen this guy before. But it's like he came out because we were there, and then yeah. we had um, dudes come from Milwaukee, you know, the guys that were just there tonight, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and then. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a great event. And we met all the Florida dudes who are up here in Ohio with us right now. But that's how we got to uh, where we're at today in Ohio. So, so the, Eric Pedersen yeah. knew the Florida guys real well because they've got, you know, all their, their oh, EF guys. Okay. So Eric Pedersen, he towed his right-hand drive CRX from Ohio to Orlando for the meet. Oh, and shit. so he had it there. And so I met him at the meet. And then he goes, hey, I work for Honda R&D. Like, I, I'm going to try to hook you up with one of our guys. Or like, it would be cool if you could do something at Honda. And so Orlando turned into Ohio because Eric said, you know, hey, I'm going to hook you up with this dude. And it's Eric at, um, ironically, it's another Eric who's yeah. at the, R and, or at the uh, museum. So he set up a conference call with Eric and I, and we talked, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, this sounds like a great idea. Like, and I, again, I Google mapped their thing, and I'm like, dude, that's the perfect spot for a venue to cross the street from the Honda Manufacturing Plant in Marysville at their museum. So we can do the meet in the back. People can go in and out of the museum, and, you know, let's roll the dice. So then we went, so we went from one year to did Ohio. I think we did, do we do? I think it was Florida and Ohio 2016. Yeah, we did Florida, Ohio the first year. And then the they, second, they, yeah, it was Florida, Ohio, and Philly. Philly, yeah, 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 exactly. Yes, we did. We left California, and we did Orlando and Ohio the same year. Mm -hmm. And then came back the next year and then added on Philly. Yeah. That's what it was. But yeah, it was basically, and since we expanded to Orlando, then we met Eric, and then Eric opened up Ohio for us. And then from there, it was kind of like, well, I mean, the other large concentration of Hondas is up in like Jersey, Philadelphia. So it was just a natural to try to go up, up yeah. there as well. You know, I think at that point we had a West Coast, um, you know, East Coast, Southeast and Midwest covered. So we had like a good chunk of the Definitely. United States covered. So uh, theoretically, anybody who wanted to attend an Eibach meet, you know, could drive there within reason. I mean, obviously Washington to like California is tough, but we get it, you know, yeah. but the idea was for anybody in the country to be able to hit one of our events within a, Whatever, whatever drive, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours, yeah. whatever the number is, you know. So that brings us to tomorrow. Yeah. So we're in uh, Marysville uh, here in Ohio right now. And we've got the Eibach meet tomorrow at the uh, Honda Heritage Center. And that's the last time that we're going to be out here yeah, in Ohio. This is, yeah, this is probably going to be the last time we're in Ohio. Um, what I people keep asking, like, why are, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? But... So the event, you know, this is not my, my function at IBOC. This is not what I do. I'm not in marketing, you know. So when I travel to these events that are, that are ironically called the IBOC meet, I'm, I'm doing it on vacation time. Yeah. And so I'm just, I don't have any vacation time left. So I can't keep Ohio and Orlando and then, you know, add this and this if I don't get rid of one. Gotcha. You know, otherwise I, I, we just can't do it. I can't use all my vacation time for Eibach meets and then not do family stuff. Yeah. Now I've got to be able to do the family stuff as well. So the, the idea is we'll skip uh, probably Orlando and Ohio next year and we'll try something else. We're talking about Seattle Ooh. and we are talking about Hawaii. Oh yeah. Which would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we'll, the moving forward, we'll do these new spots like one or two years tops mm -hmm. and then we'll move somewhere else, you know, yeah. so we could go from like, 
we do Seattle and Hawaii one year or whatever the number is. And then all of a sudden we jump to Chicago and Miami, Yeah, you know, or we jump oh, to shit. Miami and Dallas, you know, or Houston or whatever the case is. But yeah. it lets us kind of keep, you know, moving around. Yeah, no, definitely, man. I'm excited for it. Um, I'm excited for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for Jersey because yeah. Jersey's at the the last weekend of September. Correct. Yeah, right? Jersey is the 29th of September. And that's in Trenton at a minor league baseball stadium. So that should be fun too. We should have uh, the VIPs cars coming in for those uh, that event are really, really good. Like same thing. We're like last year in Philadelphia, like the cars were just over the top of me. Yeah. So like really good. So we're getting the same quality in Jersey. We're a little bit closer to, uh, you know, a lot, a bigger, a denser area of people. So I think we're going to have attendance wise, it should be really, really good. Yeah. I'm excited, man. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for always having our back, man, no and problem, always man. having us part of the event. Yeah, well, no, like I've told you guys before is I wouldn't travel if you guys didn't go. Like if this was just me by myself, we wouldn't be doing I wouldn't do this by myself. Like it's fun for me to get out of town for a couple of days, hang out with you guys, shoot the shit, talk about life and car stuff, but also have a couple of guys helping me promote the event and then just be at the event with me. If it was just me and I was like a one man show, I wouldn't do it. It just, it wouldn't, yeah. be, it wouldn't be fun at that point to be in this house right now, <laughs> this haunted house, <laughs> this haunted farmhouse we're in right now by myself would be silly. Like it would just be stupid. I fly in, yeah. you know, have you know, hang out by myself Friday and Saturday, do an event and come home. Like it just, it wouldn't even be fun. So I wouldn't do it without you guys. Yeah. Ryan and I were talking earlier about the events and just being so uh, embedded in the community that yeah. it kind of, you kind of, get like get desensitized to the cars and things yeah. like that and mm -hmm. I, I really feel that these events that we come to and we all get to spend time together that it really keeps like the passion alive oh, yeah. yeah it's you know what it's it's the thing with me is i, I kind of have all these highs and lows with the events where when i get to the event like i'm stoked when people are like dude thank you for doing this like this is our favorite event of the year yeah. you know like that kind of keeps it going for me where it's not really a monetary thing, you know, yeah. it's just more of, I just, I just enjoy doing it. And I really enjoy the, the people. And that's kind of, if we weren't getting that, if people are saying like, ah, oh, this is whatever, you know, but I, I feel, I truly feel like what we're doing is helping kind of keep the, the good side of the enthusiast deal going, you know, like, like we're kind of, where all these trends kind of go this way and that way and get really wild. We're like, yeah, this, you know, like we're always just stay the same. Like, you know, we don't sell out, we don't do anything we're not supposed to be doing. You know, we don't, we don't change. Like we're like, this is, this is the way it should be done. You can veer a little bit this way or a little bit this way, but this is kind of like, this is where you really need to be. Yeah. Uh, like I said, man, it's been exciting to be part of it. It's been exciting to be part of the Eibach mean like Downstar has so much roots in the Eibach mean mm -hmm. because you guys gave us our chance to yeah. uh, start off there and dude, well, ironically, if you think about it, I mean, you've probably been a vendor at more than anybody. Yeah. Because if, if you tack on all the outside ones, like who's been a vendor at more events than you? Yeah. No, you're definitely right. There's nobody. Dude. And it's dope, man. Like even for us, uh, it's it's really hard to make it out for these weekends and leave family oh, and yeah. things like that. Yeah. But this is kind of another extension of the family. Yeah. Dude. It's, it's, no, it's just like it's like it's a vacation. Like it's really not work. You know, like we just hang out and we have fun and. It's not work at all. Yeah. You know, and then the meat is like the icing on the cake. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, we're definitely going to have to do this again because we didn't touch on so much stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's so much meat and potatoes in the, uh, yeah. in the Eibach 
side of things. Yeah. Unfortunately, and, uh, we have to wake up in five hours. <laughs> we got to wake up in five hours. So uh, before we go, where can people find you at? Um, on MySpace, you can find me. <laughs> Uh, on Instagram, it's just Ryan Hegner, right. you know, R-Y-A-N-H-O-E-G-N-E-R, or Ibok Meet uh, is our social media page. And then I'm the same on Facebook. And We'll make it. sure we tag it below. And, um, and I don't tweet. I don't use the Twitter. <laughs> He's not a tweeter, guys. I've got enough <laughs> social media in my life. I don't need any more. So um, if somebody does want to check out the Ibok meet, we have New Jersey on the 29th mm -hmm. in Trenton, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then Joey's meet. Yeah, Joey's meet. We've got iHeart Honda Festival. That's right. That's right. October 19th or 20th. And then uh, the California event most likely next year is going to be, I think, the end of April. April 28th, 29th, somewhere in there. I can't remember the date, but that's kind of what we're looking at right cool. now. So it's a little bit sooner than we normally do so the weather should be maybe a little bit cooler yeah but yeah cool man ryan thank you for your time bro i really my appreciate pleasure. it my pleasure thanks for having me all right guys thank you for listening once again this is downtime with downstar episode 97 we out peace <laughs>